Welcome into the Section 109 podcast. I'm so excited to be back again. I actually am on a regular schedule, so I can actually podcast more. I know you guys are excited about that, right? Hello from Studio J. This is Studio J. Obviously, I'm Producer J. I'm joined by Matt and Breezy. And our special guest, former chairman of the board, for a, one of the founders of Chattanooga Football Club, and the current mayor of the city of Chattanooga, Whoa. Tim Kelly. You know, what's funny Good is day. we were talking with my wife about you coming here uh, before we did this, and we were all talking, and I said, it's funny, because he's the mayor, but technically where the studio is, you're not. No, I'm not. No. <laughs> my good friend Holly Berry is the mayor. She's, she's super cool. She's a, she's a, she's a friend and, and a prodigious artist in her own right, and, uh, and uh, Redback's lucky to have her. Although awesome. I'm not sure the North Redback is standing agree, but that's a <laughs> uh, Matt, I believe you have a disclaimer that you're going to yeah. say. Yeah, so I, I just want to point out uh, briefly for, for any journalists, uh, politicos, nerds out there that the Section 109 podcast, uh, we're not journalists. We uh, are not here to make news, break news, uh, do anything like that. Uh, I suppose if news happens, news happens, but I'm not trying to do that. I'm not trying to ask gotcha questions. That's not what we're here to do. I'm not a journalist. I'm a lobbyist. And the rest of us are definitely not journalists. You'll so, have to yeah. explain the difference to me at some point. But Between a journalist and a lobbyist? Yeah, well, it's, it's, it sounds like the punchline to a joke. but <laughs> <laughs> It does. It sure yeah. does. Matthew would like you to know that the lobbyists are the good guys to start out with. That's right. what he would like you to know. That's o- what the elected elected yeah, exactly. officials <laughs> elected officials are the ones that screw you, constituents. Oh, no. I'm just, the ones I'm just give to, them the I'm just paid to tools. give advice. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> it's the, it, Moving it's right your, along. It's your elected official that's yeah. supposed to uh, see through the bullshit if there's any bullshit. Yes, that's that's, that's actually true. There are, like anything else, you know, there are good lobbyists. And I love being with Matthew in a bar. We were in a bar last week, uh, and Matthew had explained to somebody that he was a lobbyist and he was the good guy. Uh, yeah. And it's it's just wonderful to watch people try to wrap their minds around because you know you, you until you meet a lobbyist. That's very true, though. I'm, it's like they, it's kind of like they say about lawyers, right? They're like cats. Everybody hates them all, but their own. Right, and exactly, exactly. All cats are good. It makes sense. I was about to yeah. say, it makes sense for Matt. <laughs> it, does. Yeah, it does. Him and the cats. Yeah. Him and the cats. But Tim, um, so first of all, very, very, very important question here. Yeah, yeah. Handshaking exercises. Mm-hmm. Are you, how, you're obviously shaking so many hands now as mayor. Like, what are you doing to keep your hands fit? Oh, you know, uh, goalkeeping, I guess. No, I mean, I've always kind of been a, uh, I don't know, you know, do yard work, uh, uh, exercise regularly. I don't, do you ever I don't get, really have to think about it. Do you ever get much. out of a group of like 40 people? I'm, I'm sure you have big groups of people that come into your office and you're like, geez, my hand kind of hurts. I No, never, never has never happened. All right. Not, so, uh, no. Goalkeeping then. Yeah. Goalkeeping yard So work. you should be good, Breezy. Yeah. No, I'm not. I'm, I, but I need to, apparently, I need to do more yard work. I grew up playing tennis. So my, you know, forearms are a little overdeveloped anyway. That's probably how I wound up, you know, goalkeeping. In fact, I'm pretty sure it is. I would, I'd Hugo be curious Larice. about the, uh, the tennis to, uh, the tennis to politician pipeline. Or tennis to goalkeeping is what I was remember. <laughs> tennis, tennis to goalkeeping to, to po- eventually to politicians. politicians. Yeah. So speaking of you and transitioning into goalkeeping, like let's go back a little bit further than that. Where does your soccer journey start oh, as man. a player fan? Like take us from the beginning. I, I think it goes back to soccer made in Germany on PBS. I, I, I didn't intentionally wear this jersey today, the old green. Uh, German men's national team jersey, but um, I, I grew up. My my father's mother's family was German, and he learned German, and and I learned German at a fairly early age, and became I was a German major in college, and uh, or minor actually. But uh, I just started watching on TV, and and um, you know what little I could get, and it was so difficult to get, and kind of mysterious and interesting as was Europe generally. That uh, I just kind of fell in love with it, you know. 
back gotcha. in the Now, did you start watching first or playing first? Um, probably about the same time, I guess. I mean, I, I played when I was a kid. It's the first sport I remember playing, you know, um, seven, eight years old, something like that. And were you always a goalkeeper? Started out as a midfielder and, uh, and then moved into goalkeeping. It was all, I guess, because I, I also played tournament tennis from a really early age, like five, six years old. My mother was a, a tennis coach and went on to be a, a women's coach at UTC and won a national championship. So, oh, that's yeah, cool. I, you know, Hugo Lloris is uh, – Famously uh, grew up, I guess, as a tennis. There's a lot of similarities if you think about it. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, with tennis and goalkeeping, you're just you know batting the thing away or back and those quick, those quick never, lateral steps. Yeah, and... never thought about it, but I don't know. I just sort of gravitated to the to the goal, and I never never came out of it. Never wanted to play anything else. And what's the uh, what's the highest level you played at? Oh gosh, high school. That's it. Yeah, I broke my. See, back in those days, we didn't play. We didn't wear gloves. Nobody wore gloves, and if you did, you know, maybe the French, you know, would make fun of you or something. <laughs> but but. Uh, <laughs> But I broke this finger, you know, that my, my, I was late to practice one day and my coach got mad at me. He's like, you got to go, you know, be in goal. Cause uh, he also, he was a covenant student and he made me go play in a game with a bunch of covenant, uh, you know, college level players who were a hell of a lot better than I was. And we're warming up to this day. I have a real thing about, you know, one ball at a time warming up. Cause I'm looking this way. Some guy nails a ball at me from the other direction. I have my hand out like this. Bam, broke my finger Ooh. and still see it's screwed up. So broke that one and then popped the tendon off of that one. And when, when I had this one repaired on my left hand, the doctor who did the surgery said, look, if you do that again, you might as well just amputate the finger. So that was it. <laughs> and, that, and then when I got back out of con, went to Columbia, had a very, very good team. I mean, uh, you know. Um, did you try out or anything? Pig. No, good Lord, no. I was too <laughs> You weren't busy. thinking about it? I was, I was in bands, man. I was playing the drums and chasing girls, and I just I was not thinking about it. Um, closest thing I came to doing anything collegiately athletic was was crew was rowing. They tried okay. to get me to do that, but but anyway, got back. Never fell out of love with soccer. And then at that point, everybody was wearing gloves, and they had these gloves that you, you couldn't hyperextend your fingers with. And I got talked into playing adult league and started playing adult league again in my early thirties, and have been playing now for the last twenty five years. Yeah, because you're how old are you now? Fifty five. So you're you're fifty five and still playing. I mean, I think you have a game after this podcast. I do. So like, <laughs> what keeps you uh, what keeps you coming back? I just love it. I don't know. You know, I think if you talk to anybody about anything that they love, they, I just, I love the challenge. I love the, uh, I, I do better under pressure. I like the pressure of goalkeeping. Um, I'm blessed with pretty good reflexes. And so I'm, I think particularly for my age, I'm, I'm okay at it. So I don't know. I just love it. Always have. Nice. A uh, few per- more personal questions. Siblings? Yeah, one sister, Susan, who lives in London, married to uh, a, a guy who was uh, a British, um, works for the British Foreign Service, uh, was a was the deputy high commissioner, what they you know what they call an ambassador to Australia, and is now back working. They rotate in and out anyway. They're in London. So, nice. And yeah. then uh, immediate family. You know, you have kids. kids yeah, wife. two 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 kids. Um, twenty six, twenty four. One in New York and one here. Um, and my wife, Jenny, uh, second, second go round, second, uh, marriage. We've been married, uh, almost, uh, 10 years now. Congratulations. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, it's good. It's good to have kids that are up and out. Um, yeah. yeah. Love Empty dearly, nesters. But yeah, it's. <laughs> Boy, there's a there's you got a lot more time on your hands and a lot more money on your hands. <laughs> yeah, I can I can imagine. Yeah. I can imagine. Uh, did you have any nicknames uh, growing up, or do you have any nicknames now? Wow, hard hitting um, questions here. Well, the funny thing was when I went to New York, um, you know, I got there. 
a couple of weeks early before things kicked off, I was a John Jay scholar, and they asked us to come in a little early because we had all this different orientation. And one of my buddies who I'd met in the in the program, they were kind of trying to get us to come to school there, was from L.A., and he had a friend that came in who wasn't coming there. I don't even remember her name. Anyway, they, you know, in New York, I didn't think anything, but I was not self-conscious at that point about my accent. I didn't think I had one. Nobody does, I guess. Anyway, she started calling me Tex and uh, <laughs> pissed me off, you know, because particularly if, if you know your history, right? So if you're Tennessee, from Tennessee, yeah. you're just like, you know, there wouldn't be a Texas if it weren't for Tennessee, but you can't, they can't call you 10. Anyway, it, it made me mad, but you know, the matter you get with a nickname, the more you know, sticks. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's so true. Um, and then, you know, realized well, the girls kind of like it. And, um, so that was that. And so there, I still have a lot of friends from college who don't know me, but anything about that. Yeah. That's, that's fantastic. <laughs> Strangely enough. But none yeah. now? No, no. Mayor, you know, which I'm still getting, getting used to. But, yeah, uh, that's got to be weird. It, it is weird. It's definitely weird, right? And, and, and now that it's been about a year, now it's just like, hey, mayor. And I'm just like, what? What? <laughs> you know, but uh, I'm getting used to it. I mean, I'm, 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 I am. Not in a, you know, sort of official title sort of way, but, uh, you know. Like that's the thing like you're supposed to respond. Sort of yeah. That's the thing you're supposed to respond exactly. to now. Exactly right. Yeah. Do you have a favorite player growing up? Favorite team? Man, you know, I I um I, I didn't really. I mean, I I liked watching the Germans, the German national team. Obviously, they were very very good in the World Cup. Um, that was when the U.S. and of course I would always watch the U.S. men's national team, but they were they were they were kind terrible of, kind for a long joke. time. <laughs> you know, and so I was I was into that more so than club soccer because uh, you couldn't watch club soccer. There was no club soccer. But being a goalkeeper, I was... Um, you mean ESPN Plus didn't exist back then? No, it didn't, young man. No, it did not. <laughs> you don't realize how good you got it these days. But uh, became a Tottenham fan mainly because I think Casey Keller might have been the first... Uh, goalkeeper to be playing in the English Premier League. I want to say it was, you know, and it played for Tottenham, and and then you know, um, so Tottenham, I'm a Tottenham fan, and shout have out been, have been since then. Yeah, you no, know, you're in what well, kind of good company with yeah, Matthew here? Exactly. <laughs> oh, speaking yes. of which, let's click. There That's you a know. yeah, and uh, I, you know, we'll uh, essentially we'll probably talk about the brewery at one point too because it's one of my favorite places to go. But I also know that is there like do you guys have Spurs watch parties there? Yeah, no, it's the official, you know, we had to go through quite a few. It was right as I was kicking off into the campaign and really didn't have the time or energy to spend on anything outside of that. But we managed to get the ship launched anyway and get the application filled out. Um, And so that is the official home of, and we've had a couple of management rotations since then. And I had to kind of yell at them a little bit about getting it together. Of course, you know, COVID was unhelpful. Uh, So you had to kind of scrape it back together. Yep. But yeah, it was pretty cool to look up. uh, Somebody sent me a picture of the, of the, of the, uh, you know, the different supporters groups, you know, scrolling across at the stadium and Chattanooga Spurs is up there. And that's, that's that's, cool. That is the official chapter. I think I've watched, I don't know how many games I've watched at, at CBC. I normally prefer to watch games at home. I, I do too. Uh, I, I need like when it comes to Spurs, I need to be like not with other people. Well, not near that's anybody. Part else. of being you a know, Spurs, Spurs fan. fan. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I think like the purgatory. Only, it's a only, metaphor for human existence in many ways. <laughs> yeah. 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 So the only yeah. games I think I've watched at CBC, I've we've we've uh, not won, and so yeah. I've just not. I'm with you, man. You wait. You're waiting for like Norwich on a random Saturday, where like the league. No, are because if I go up. to CBC to watch that game, we're gonna lose. Yeah. <laughs> Superstitious soccer fan, man. Yeah. <laughs> well, Tottenham will do that to you. Um, it's it's it is crazy. It's uh, yeah. But I I, I love that team, and you know it's mm-hmm. it is funny how teams kind of pick you. But um, uh, yeah, I can't. I, I don't have the tattoo, but 
I've considered getting one. You I mean, know, it's, it's you're still young. Yeah, that's right. Plenty of time. Could, yeah, you do like a CFC on one side and then talk. I've thought about it. I definitely will get the. I have literally, yeah, we'll get a CFC one at some point. I'm, I've not done that either, but so that but that one will come first. I plan on it as well. Yeah. Yeah, we should. Hey, sounds like this podcast needs to all get yeah, tattoos. We should all go <laughs> all right. together. We're gonna, Drink we should the rest of that Topo Chico. You know what? Let's get out of here. Yeah. Instead, of, <laughs> instead of 2009 where the crest is, it, would it be like just S109? Section 109? It's not a bad part. idea. Oh. I don't want matching tattoos with you. It's not a bad <laughs> idea. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's an I'm, excellent I'm, point, I'm not Jake. actually getting one. So yeah, that's we'll a really clear. good point. Okay. Yeah. Uh, we could get them. I, I, I might. Done. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, well, I, I, don't I love know. how I just shit on Matt, and then you're like, "We can get him." I'm like, "Yeah, sure, okay, breezy." <laughs> yeah, you and me can get Matt, just not with Matt. It'd that's good. that's yeah. how this works here. So I I think we're gonna ask you for like a dirty history yeah, sort of thing, quick and dirty, because we did a pretty in depth uh, on pot. Actually, listeners can go back if they haven't listened. Episode six is Sheldon and Thomas, and they did a pretty in depth like CFC's founding. But mm-hmm. we don't have it from your perspective, yeah. obviously. Mm-hmm. So we'd love we don't if we just focused on that, we could spend two hours on history. So we you know in a somewhat of a summation maybe a five ten minute piece or however long you want to take would love to hear kind of your story of the founding of cfc a little bit yeah well so yeah you already know right sheldon and thomas was the og he had played in the npsl on an npsl team at um in uh, uh, birmingham i think it was and yeah it was in alabama is what i remember come up and i think he went to church with maybe sheldon and and daryl healed and crew and some guys like that and um sheldon i knew sheldon from the startup scene and I guess within maybe, a, you know, it was really interesting because the, they had some real early conversations and tried to figure out, like, who knows what and who has what connections. And uh, Sheldon knew there weren't a lot of other, I guess, business people. And I guess my main commodity was I knew Frank Burke. And Frank Burke had at that time, um, you know, Finley was such a money pit and had been nothing else but. And they had kind of handed the keys to Frank Burke and said, you know, please, God, just help it, you know, animate it, make it turn a profit. And he was running the lookouts at that point. Yeah, right. right. And so look at, uh, so Sheldon called and said, Hey, are you interested? I heard you were a soccer guy. And I said, yeah, absolutely. I'm interested. And, um, do you know, do you know, Frank, I mean, you think you could get us into Finley to play? And I said, well, I'll try. And I called Frank up and, and, uh, he said, sure. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> you know, soccer. Are you kidding me? Like who's going to show up to that? I'm like, great. Sure. Well, what, what's it going to cost? He's like, I've, you know, I mean, pay the light bill. And it's cool. I'm like, oh, okay, all right, well, great. Wish it was still like that. No kidding, right? I mean, you know, really low bar. And then you know, um, it is funny because we all brought something different to the to the table. You know, it's this has been covered many times in other podcasts. But you know, Paul's such a great graphic designer. At that time, um, you know, Sheldon had this great knowledge of social media that everybody had like a hundred Facebook friends back then. Um, I was more kind of the business marketing guy, I guess, but we all brought something different and man, within a couple months, you know, team was on the field, jerseys were designed, we were off and running and, uh, you know, crew and I were out there serving beer and <laughs> now we were at the first game. We didn't have beer, but wasn't, wasn't long thereafter. Uh, I think it was the second home game. Cause that was, yeah, my first cause game. we, that was how we got involved with, uh, with, with, uh, Chattanooga brewing. You know, they, they basically gave us kegs in kind for membership. We sold the beer 100% profit, you know, and that's what cash flowed the team. Beer. And, uh, and, <laughs> yeah. so, and that's how I wound the, up with the, CFC. The supporters with, drinking, with drinking $2 beers. <laughs> right, yeah. And uh, so, yeah, it was it was off and running from there. And, and you know, I'm a startup guy too, so um, it was it was a lot of fun. It was in many ways. I've said told the story many times. It, uh, it was a successful startup, right? I mean, that's, that's what it was. I mean, it was uh, – you hear a lot about product, uh, product market fit, right? And you don't often, I, I distinctly remember, 
uh, after that first game in the rain and all the people showing up going, holy shit. Yeah. Uh, we're on to something here, right? I mean, we didn't think, uh, as has been said many times, we would have maybe, you know, success would have been 500 people. And uh, I don't know how many we had, but it was more than that. And it was, you know, it was something off, like, to, off to something the Something like 1,600. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. At what point did you know or think like, holy shit, maybe we'll go pro. Maybe we'll take make something out of this. I mean, we never did that. You know, we didn't, it wasn't for about another year that, um, you know, that we sort of scraped it all back together and said, all right, you know, what, what, are, what are we all about? I mean, but from the very beginning, it really was, you know, for the love of the game sort of thing, like the, like the tagline says. Uh, I was not the on-field guy. I mean, Sean McDaniel's the one that cared about that stuff, and we let him do it and didn't, you know, we, I kind of handled the, front office and more of that side of things and the books and all that and crew, you know, handled the money early on. And then, um, but we did, we weren't thinking about that, right. It was just, this is fun. And, uh, we wanted to, we really wanted to have something that, uh, crew talks very knowledgeably about this. I mean, he was very passionate about the fact that VW was coming to town and we wanted something to make the international community here feel welcome. And we knew that VW had had this long history of support. Uh, for soccer around sure. the world, and uh, you know, we we couldn't get the time of day from the actual you know uh, plant people. They they were just getting set up and getting getting up and running. But we all we both knew Brad Cobb, and, and you know who was the dealer. And like, hey man, you know, uh, we <laughs> put us. I don't. I think we charged him five hundred bucks, and I don't even know that he ever paid the bill. But you know, we, <laughs> still, we just didn't want to get sued for putting VW on the front of the jerseys. But uh, it was kind of fake it till you make it, and yeah, uh, yeah, it worked out. Yeah. So now we're. 13 years in. Yep. Um, CFC went pro ostensibly three years ago. Yep. Um, as you know, pandemic kind of made all that weird. Uh, um, that's a good euphemism for it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Man. I'll never forget it. Actually, I sat next to you and Jenny at the at the bar at the brewery the night we played the first professional game. Yeah. That's right. Hopes were so high, man. Well, you we know, no, we had no idea. Truth, truth of the matter is, we had this, we had a very long and um, thoughtful. I mean, we had a lot of time to think about it, right? Because we were a very successful three months NPSL team. We did a lot, a lot of whiteboarding, a lot of thinking about, you know, we can either just continue to do this and be the best version of this, um, or you know, make this jump, and it's going to be much more difficult financially. And you know, we didn't really know what was going to happen, and 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 we were not all of the same mind. I mean, nobody was vehemently opposed to it one one way or the other, but we as a managing board eventually came together and said, this is the right path. And, you know, we're going to, we're going to grind it out. Uh, and the, the crowdfunding thing, um, definitely was a, a huge, a huge help in terms of, you know, both cementing and support and, and helping raise money to do it. And, uh, as it turns out, you know, that was, that, that whole thing was somewhat accidental in that I had been talking to investment bank people about, uh, an offering because even then, you know, we we had a really good relationship with VW and with Wolfsburg, and we were we were trying to position ourselves so maybe Wolfsburg would want to buy a portion of the team in order to kind of you know propel uh, it forward, propel it forward, and in discussing uh, that with uh, with the people at Cutting Edge Capital who happened to be out in Oakland, they were saying, well, you know, there's this new Section CF crowdfunding thing, and from you know, gosh, Bill Bolin and um, man, what is the dude? John Meldor. John Meldorf, yeah, early, early. They were after, on the beginning about very about beginning. You know, we were having dinner at the the um, at the terminal. R.I.P. Hey, let me let me come out and say fuck tailgate brewing. Yeah, no, come dude. on, man. Dude. I'll tell you what, Tony Montana, different 
freaking podcast. But we were all having dinner there after the, I think it was the end of the first season. And Mel- Meldorf was talking about a team in um, in uh, England, I think, uh, Aldershot or something, where that had fan ownership and wouldn't that be cool? And and Crew and I were saying, absolutely, that would be great, right? I mean, why wouldn't we do that? The, the Packers did. And so Crew spent a couple of years trying to figure out how we could do that and it was literally illegal at the time, right? Well, it, it, it wasn't illegal, but you would have had to hire an investment bank. I mean, just to just to stand the offering up, you would have had to hire like a Goldman Sachs to go out and, you know, paid up half a million dollars in legal fees just to, I mean, it was completely impractical. And then Section CF crowdfunding came along during the Obama era, and I had no idea. I mean, again, you talk about lousy marketing. Like, they did, they did it and didn't bother to tell anybody. What, but, I mean, that, but was, that was passed pretty late in, in 2016. Yeah, and, I think and, that's and, right. And politics got a little weird. Oh, well, it did. At that point in time. But anyway, this, this woman mentioned it, and I was like, well, that's what we've been waiting for this entire time is that. So that then that was when that, you know, hit the ground running. We, we raised enough money to, to be able to take it. You know, pro privately, and we and we could have raised more, but this it worked out exactly like it was supposed to. You want to know my favorite part about the ownership date is I I've, I've framed uh, my yard sign on the wall over there. Uh, okay, the day I bought ownership in the club was the exact same day that I closed and bought this house that no, we're sitting yeah, in. That is literally awesome. the exact same that. day. Yeah, so the day we That's came crazy. in and started moving stuff in, day. we put the owner sign in the yard. And it was like before we were going into closing, and I told my wife, "Well, I bought shares," and she was like pissed off. She was like, "Well, I didn't wait. What do you mean? <laughs> we're, bu- we're you didn't do it." To- so we're like in, we're outside of the closing office, and yeah. she's on her phone buying shares yeah. before we go in and close on the house. Yeah, that's very cool. You need to put the certificates in the cornerstone, or you know, you probably still drill in there. My yard, my, my sign is still in my yard. If you Mine believe too. it, I'm I'm not gonna take it out. I took my, uh, I actually got a second one because I have more than one share and I, I asked for a second one and I actually think, no, I didn't ask for a second one. Mary saw mine was completely beat up and brought me a second one yeah. for my original <laughs> sign. And my, so my original sign's hanging in my, like in my laundry room yeah. on the wall. And then I have a new sign out in front, but it's, it's not going anywhere. When yeah, that our, one wears out, I'll beg somebody to give me another one. Like, yeah, our original tired. one is in the garage somewhere. I took that one. That one is laminated and framed so nice. that it is cemented. It's, in. it's funny, the discussion, and this is what I love so much about my, you know, involvement with the club. It was so entrepreneurial because we just got to make it up as we went along. And I remember thinking, sitting in a meeting with Paul and Sheldon, like, how are we going to market this? How are we going to get the word out? Uh, and I can't remember. I might have been the one, but I uh, can't remember exactly. But it was like, if we did yard signs, how cool would that be? Um, because it would be a really great way to for people to look and say, wait, what is that? Right? And this is kind of, uh, there's a turf aspect to it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I still get happy when I see one. Yeah, me when I see one now. Yeah. It's how many years later? Four years later, I right? get people call me. You know, some some somebody was driving through rural Mississippi, and they were like, "I just passed a CFC owner." No side. way! Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That, yeah. It, you that's know. awesome. That's yeah. dope. That is very cool. We need, we need to have that person on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, that would so be if you're out there. I still, I, I will say, I mean, I'm now ex officio. I mean, I really have no link to the club other than as a fan, and that's the way it has to be while I'm in office. Sure. But I will say, I don't think we're doing enough to kind of leverage that. Um, yeah, but I mean, you know, club's got plenty to do, and and I got to say, Jeremy's done an incredible job. Shout out to Jeremy, squiring the club through COVID and coming out of it in in every really in every respect stronger than we went into it. But it's such yeah. an asset, and it's such a great story, and and we could be leveraging that more. So Matt actually has a question. Speaking of, you know, obviously for those that didn't pick that up, not only are you not chairman of the board anymore because you can't be, mm-hmm. with the, you're not even on the board anymore because with your capacity as mayor, you've 
got to keep arm's length, right? Yeah, I, you know, the funny thing is, I do, it's, it's a, I don't really have to, but it's just a lot simpler if all my local, uh, locally related assets are in a blind trust. Uh, not that the club, uh, you know, ever really probably has a prayer of making any money and producing dividends, but it could. It did once, uh, yeah. one year, um, way back when. Um, it was easier when you didn't pay players and you had a three-month season. And <laughs> yeah. uh, anyway, it's a di- different different deal. But uh, uh, but in any event, yeah, it's just it's just cleaner this way, and uh, it's certainly simpler. And and to be fair to the club, like I don't have the time and energy to put into it, so nobody needs to be relying on me for yeah. for anything. Sure. So, okay, you're, you're about a year into your term. Yep. You've got three years left in your current term. Yeah. Uh, we're just going to assume you run for re-election and you win re-election. Okay. So you've got seven years as mayor left. Mm-hmm. Uh, should you should you go choose to go down that path? Knock on wood. I mean, I think, you know, yeah, fair enough. Safe we don't need to bring any yeah. okay. news about you running for re-election. Yes. Yeah, yes. Okay. <laughs> no, I mean, I think I will, but yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So in, in, that, in that scenario, you've got seven years left as mayor. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to assume you're going to eventually come back to the board of directors after you are no longer mayor. I don't know that that's a safe assumption because I mean, I don't, they would have to, you know, have me back, want me back. I mean, I I don't, I I don't know. I mean, I guess it could happen. I mean, it it could happen. Okay. But let's assume, let's assume they are. The aperture keeps getting narrower (laughs) on the the if thens. But anyway, let's let's assume they want you back and and they want to put you back on the board. Maybe they George Washington you and they drag you back on the board. In seven, in seven years, where do you where do you hope to see the club? I mean, here's the thing. I, I'm I, I've said from the very beginning, and I say it today. And I know there's a lot of sort of gnashing of teeth and rending of hair. And uh, you know, look, if the club just keeps being the best version of itself, if it continues to sink roots into the community and 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 does the things that it has done. Linking, linking to the community, strengthening the community, both on the academy side, on the foundation side, um, it will be fine. I just think um, it just it needs to grow that way. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we we'll probably spend the rest of the podcast talking about how completely screwed up American soccer is, and it and I would have thought that it would have improved in some way, shape, or form uh, before now. But my, I will, I'll answer it this way. You know, as goes the U.S. soccer pyramid and the health of uh, U.S. soccer, uh, both the entity and the enterprise, so goes the fortune of the club, right? And and so we've, we've got to build sort of an anti-fragile model that so the club's going to be fine either way. Yeah. And I think we've done that to a great extent. I mean, you, you know, when we had our soccer summit back a few years ago, I mean, again, my thesis in putting that whole thing together was, you know, leagues should simply be platforms that connect clubs to each other as mm-hmm. opponents. That's it, right? It's connective tissue. It's not an organ, or it shouldn't be. Yeah. Um, and it's not a new thing. I mean, that's how soccer works. Literally every other country on the freaking planet. So it's not rocket science at all. Um, it's just that, uh, you know, I mean, our, our, our ecosystem here, and in fact, uh, the ecosystem of American sports is a pretty bizarre uh, anomaly uh, globally anyway. Yeah. So, so, but, but we have to focus on, uh, I'm a big fan of the serenity prayer. You know, we need to focus on what we can control, not worry about what we can't control and what we can control is making, you know, the club, the best club it can be. And, and look, I think we've made all the right moves with Rod and, and, uh, and Chris and I couldn't be happier. I mean, I think clubs is in, is in great, great shape. I, um, 
I'm a, I'm a huge fan. The people that work for me in City Hall know that uh, I can be frustrating to work with because I'm, I'm a huge fan of the concept of optimistic dissatisfaction, <laughs> meaning I'm a hard guy to make happy. I'm, yeah. I, I, you know, I mean, you just got to keep pushing, you know, and uh, so there's always room for improvement, but, uh, but we're certainly on the right track. Rod and, Rod and Chris both have been on the, the podcast. I both, listened. Both amazing. That also makes me, uh, that makes me happy. Because yeah. if, if you are, if it does, uh, if people struggle to make you happy and you listen to our podcast, that means maybe we're doing something right. Yeah. <laughs> careful, <laughs> careful what you ask for, I know, I know. I'm going to knock on wood over here. But yeah, they're both, they're both awesome. Just from a um, uh, tactics, overall mindset, yeah. and everything that they look at and how they look at the club, uh, I think we're all very happy with Yeah, with I mean, them. I didn't know it at the time. I mean, I, we were all big admirers of watching what Rod did with what he had to work with in, in um, Charlotte and Sumptown. Mm-hmm. And then, um, you know, meeting him early on and, and uh, you know, it's funny uh, that figuring out that he was a big Johan Cruyff, big Barca fan. Uh, I was not a big Barca fan until I went to Barcelona and, you know, got invited over there to speak at the Johan Cruyff Institute, which was probably the greatest honor of my life. I'd, I'd put it above <laughs> Mara Chattanooga, probably. <laughs> I mean, I was like, I couldn't believe it. I was like, I'm getting punked here. But then when I went, you know, and saw the, and this is a little presumptuous, right? So you got to kind of bear with me. But I'm telling you, boys, there's a there's a strong parallel between Barcelona and Chattanooga in, in, in a lot of different ways. You know, Camp Nou is not pretty. It ain't, it's, it's a giant version of Finley. It's big, concrete, old, but it, that's not what it's about. Yep. The, the spirit, the more than a club, you know, mm-hmm. uh, thing, Best which club, is, yeah. yeah, that's, that is, that is very much, um, without, we sort of backed into it in Chattanooga and I'm not even talking about the style of play, which obviously Rod is a, is a fan of, but, uh, but, but just in terms of the, 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 the civic spirit of Barcelona as a city, there's a strong parallel to Chattanooga in that both of them are sort of um, out there on their own, yeah. in a sense, right? Yeah, it's a, it's a David v. Goliath thing, but you know, to to Catalonia's had a rough road, right? And mm-hmm. uh, in a in a weird way, Chattanooga, Chattanooga's right? a I'm, chip on our shoulder. Well, we do, and not for nothing, right? Because I mean, Nashville's not our friend; they're always pissing down our back and telling us it's raining, and <laughs> Atlanta's always picking our pocket and you know sucking out jobs and talent, and it's. It's tough. I mean, we don't have a, we're not a state capital. We don't have a massive industry. We don't have a massive university to sort of lean on. So, whatever we've had in Chattanooga, we've had to sort of scrounge out ourselves and scrap it's, and innovate. Yeah. And that's pretty much Barcelona as well. Yeah. Interesting. That's yeah. really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I've been, I toured the Camp Nou when uh, I was a student in, in Italy and I, we went to Barcelona for a couple of days and it was so cool. And I was surprised how beat up the stadium was. Yeah. Like, it ain't about that. No, it's not. It's, it's not really. At all. Oh, not here. You know, it's like in many ways, uh, Atlanta. I mean, I'm sure there are a lot of people who have dual loyal, dual loyalties to uh, Atlanta, and I'm not a hater. Maybe I'm. I maybe a little I am. Bit, but I'm, I'm going to take my. It is. It is so antithetical. To, I'm going to take my World Series cap off right now. I don't want them. <laughs> I'm, I'm just kidding. He's about Atlanta United. I'm talking about Atlanta United. Oh, yeah, gotcha, I'm, gotcha. I don't mean not, a, not as a I city. Mean, I mean, my dad's whole family's from Atlanta, right? I'm not. I'm not. You know. So. Um, yeah, uh, but yeah, just club-wise. It's just, again, we could talk about uh, the deformities of uh, the, you know... American soccer system. American oligarchy, sure. sports yeah. oligarchy, and how that has really screwed up soccer and, 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 and uh, uh, or, or, you know, changed it from the way the rest of the world plays it or funds it. Um, but uh, yeah, that's what it's all about. That is quite the contrast. You're correct. If you, you're looking at the two clubs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So I want to I wanna shift gears a little bit. Uh, and this might be... This might be the only 
political, like mayoral question we ask all night. You ask away. I do not mind. <laughs> I've dealt with much more hostile crowds. <laughs> yeah. yeah, have yeah. no doubt. Yeah. So, in in the early nineties, the vision for Chattanooga with the waterfront being a centerpiece and the aquarium, things like that. Yep. They were envisioning a twenty first century Chattanooga. Mm-hmm. From where you sit as mayor now, what is your vision for a late 21st century Chattanooga? Like, where do you want to go in the next 50 years when you're no longer here to see it? Well, look, I mean, I think good brands have edges, and I think that applies to cities as well. And I've said before, we're not going to out Nashville, Nashville, or out Atlanta, Atlanta. So the question is, you know, I went to business school late in life, and I had a really smart strategy professor and he was like the only question you need to answer if you're running any organization is what is your sustainable competitive advantage meaning what do you do better than anybody else that they're not likely to copy and you know what can you what can you own um and for chattanooga i think that sort of is becoming it's around this the convergence of all of our green space and park space and natural assets and the industries of sustainability that are emerging around electrification with what you know a lot of people don't realize vw is switching over to electric vehicle production on sort of tesla scale i mean they're gonna i mean it's a big deal i don't know if you saw that 60 minutes piece last week or the week before but it's a, it's a very big deal and then uh, this Novonix, this battery component manufacturer that looks like you know, we're talking to a couple of other companies that uh, that make batteries and, and with Oak Ridge National Labs up the road and uh, Huntsville down the road, yep. TVA. A lot of people don't realize TVA has got three um, charges, right? It's not just power generation. It's also, wait for it, conservation and economic development. So it's that is where these things all uh Converge. So I, I see Chattanooga being kind of a, a a green city in every respect, like leading leading the transformation of green cities in America. Well said, Mr. Lobbyist. I, I like that. Yeah, I like, I like that. <laughs> yeah, there's a there's yeah. a maybe a motto for you. Yeah, and look, I'm not a uh, card carrying tree hugger, but I, I think it is very clearly. If I were, you know, if I were like a climate denier, I would still say, look, this, and I were some kind of outside. Um, consultant, and I'm neither one of those things. It would be hard to avoid the fact that that's where all these places, this, this, this is all a, these trajectories are converging here for this city. It yeah. makes a ton of business sense for the it city, does. just it does. in general. It absolutely does. I think it's cool too because when you think about those pieces of growing your city and standing out, I mean, there's an entire district named after the word that I'm going to say, but I think innovation is a yeah. big piece of it. And I like to pair that when people ask me why I still live here. I pair that with like quality of life. That's it. Because when I, the reason I, I moved to Chattanooga is because I, I was a raft guide in the mountains and I would drive back to Nashville yeah. and then back to the mountains and I would always go through Chattanooga and I would come hang out with friends and do stuff and I was like, there there's no reason why I wouldn't live here and that's why I chose it. So pairing yeah. those two is what I love so much about Well, that's city. a great point, Jay. And I haven't thought, I have not thought this through yet. I haven't figured out a way to sort of elegantly pair them other than just to say them together, like you say. But that entrepreneurial spirit, that that innovative spirit is definitely part of it. Yeah, for sure. Um, there's there's no question. And again, I think it goes back to kind of necessity being the mother of invention. I mean, Chattanooga, look, let's face it, if it weren't for a bunch of entrepreneurs here 100 some odd years ago, Coca-Cola would be kind of a 
you know, um, probably wouldn't be a household name. It sure. was a fountain drink. You know, what made Coca-Cola mm-hmm. up with guys that were like, hey, let's put this in bottles and sell it right. and franchise the bottling companies. That was what made Coca-Cola blow up. And since then, I mean, there's a, there are a lot of, um, you know, entrepreneurial success stories here. And, uh, and, and so you're right. That spirit of innovation and entrepreneurship is definitely part of our culture. Yeah, I, I work. I'll, I'll give him a shout out, but I work for a man named Andre Dantzler. Mm-hmm. And uh, what's cool is like when I when I started working for him, I had never worked for an entrepreneur. I worked for another company before that, and then before that, I worked for Pete Wilcock. Shout out Pete Wilcock, yeah. big fan of the pod. I know he's listening from wherever in the world he I'm is a right big now. Fan of his as well. Uh, when hey, I hey he Pete, come it. back. Yeah, yeah, he's he will. He we will. miss you, buddy. Um, but when I when I started working for an entrepreneur and started networking and meeting other people, I I understood the like the percentage of people that i met in the city have such a cool hand in different industries that they're all innovating in. oh no question so that's that's been one of my favorite parts about where i work now because i've been able to meet so many people and like i used to have this mindset of like work on nine to five figure this out and then there's so many people in this city who i've watched like just completely go around all of that and figure out different ways to make an income slash awesome living and create friends and a whole network. Yeah. And look, I don't think that that's uh, by the way, your boss, do you call him tiny, tiny dancer? I mean, I I think that's amazing if you do. Should I now? Yeah, you should for sure. See if he gets it. That's an old thing. Chris Berman used to like give give nicknames. There was a football player named dancer and he would be tiny dancer. Oh oh, no. Okay. I get it now. Wow. That went straight over my head. Sorry. Uh, And I do like Elton John. So I I get that. There you go. Uh, Hold me closer. I'm definitely going to do that. He's going to walk into work tomorrow and then end up getting sent home. Yeah, sorry. (laughs) Blame it on me. Blame it on me. But no, look, uh, I don't think that that your observation is unrelated to why CFC uh, blew up. I mean, A, it was a startup. It was a bunch of guys who just said, why not? And we're just going to figure it out. And... um, and, and, you know, oddly enough, a lot of the players that came here stuck around and went to work in entrepreneurial That's enterprises. That's a very, yeah. very good point, yeah. actually. Mm-hmm. So I want to I transition us to some miscellaneous questions. Why are you always transitioning up, us, sure. Matt? Break up the, uh, break gear up the podcast. Yeah, sorry. But, <laughs> I can but, get a little wonky. Oh, no, no, you're good. <laughs> All right. Yeah, but I also want to... Uh, I, I would be remiss as a as a lobbyist uh, lobbying for my own personal benefit here with the mayor sitting across the bike. Yeah, uh, with with Amtrak's recent um, uh, investment from the bipartisan mm. uh, infrastructure plan, yeah. the Chattanooga is on the list of getting inner city passenger rail for the first time in like I don't know fifty five years something like yeah. that. Uh, my dad would probably have a better idea than me on that. Um, when that does happen, and there's a station, I'm put glad in you place, have some confidence. In that. <laughs> we can talk about that for a minute. I'm gonna. I'm just gonna say when. Okay. When that does happen, that's really hoping. Personally speaking, I think it would be great if uh, that that South Side development where the you know proposed stadium might end up being or whatever. Yeah. I think because there's the, there's a main line that runs right there's through a spur. there. Yeah. Okay. I think it'd be a great idea if we put the station right there as like one of the anchors that's interesting for for like for all that development down there and then we call it the chattanooga new chew i like that yeah (laughs) man you're getting out there well let me just say this first so i'm a huge fan of that idea i i think um we've talked to the mayors around the state mayor um as it turns out um mayor strickland in in memphis is the one who really has a lot to gain because they built that giant ford plant or or building that huge Ford plant that, that, that massive plant 
eight hundred million dollars, about forty like miles outside. Money. The only way they can get workforce from Memphis, and they've got to get workforce from Memphis in, in volume, is a train, and the train runs right through there. But as it turns out, I've learned, you know, the legislative side of things is uh, completely new to me as a as a uh, rookie politician. Uh, who knew Republicans hate trains? I mean, I, I, I had no idea. I literally borderline made a fool of myself talking to uh, one of our two U.S. senators because I was like, look, we're big fans of the train. And the room just went quiet like I farted or something. I was like, what's the problem? I mean, you know, I mean they just hate the – I don't know why. They just apparently – and I'm not going to quit talking about it, but we've asked everybody we can ask. I just think, including the governor, I mean, look, it makes tons of sense to connect – Memphis, Nashville, Chattanooga, and Atlanta. As it turns out, the section of, of track between here and Atlanta uh, is owned by the state of Georgia, leased to CSX, and mm-hmm. the lease includes a stated provision for passenger rail. But the your friends, whoever represents uh, CSX uh, specifically, who, who notoriously more difficult to deal with than Norfolk Southern, and they're like dealing with a Viet Cong, is uh, <laughs> is that just they don't they don't like it, they don't hate it, they don't want it, they're not gonna you know don't want any part of it. I am one hundred percent gonna look up who uh, who which lobbyist did this? Who represents Norfolk Southern and CSX? Well, I, I will it. say we've had some really good <laughs> luck. Shit. Shout out to my friends at Norfolk Southern because we've had some really good luck with them lately, and they've been great to work with. I haven't had any, you know, specific conversations or uh, run-ins or anything like that with CSX. I just this is by you know reputation and yeah. the political world. But I mean, look, I, I think it makes all the sense in the world. And uh, you know, little known fact, there's a we've got the property sitting out there off the siding at the airport to to build a station and put a, put the station right there. But there's a lot of dots to connect before before that happens. Yeah, but of course. Do, I think it's a great idea, and I'm I'm gonna try to support it all I can. I appreciate that. Yes, Thank you. Not a problem. That's uh, that's some direct lobbying for you kids out there. Mm-hmm. All right, some uh, misc. <laughs> these can be a little bit. Uh, no, I love it. I love it. Uh, Straight from serious into like the dumbest questions the dumbest he's ever going to get asked yeah. as mayor. <laughs> yeah, yeah. These are these are uh, they can be they are rapid fire, but they don't have to be rapid fire. So jean jackets, yay or nay? Yay. Will you double denim? What is you know top and bottom? Top and bottom. I yeah. don't think I could do that. So just, it's only jeans, can, or it's only jacket. I can't a jack, do jacket. that. I can do <laughs> you know. I, I can do anybody. Speaking of that, just weirdly, that. apparently that is the new uh, bachelor party of Nashville oh, sort no. of uh, uniform. So I'm glad you I said hate, that. I apparently that's right. the new yeah. thing. I, you know, all my friends that live there are like. Jesus, get me out of here. I, I don't know if it happens with age. I mean, it probably does to all of you. But at some point, if you're married to a woman with any sort of opinion or intelligence, you oh, know, yeah. you're, you're, she gets the final say anyway. And, uh, you know, she's she's my the defense that leaves me keeps me from leaving the house looking like a clown. I do sometimes <laughs> anyway. Sometimes I'm just like, look, too bad, you know. My bad, I'm but, comfortable. Uh, I think that would probably be a, a hell no. Well, if it wasn't for my <laughs> wife, I'd wear Adidas <laughs> pants and Vans every day. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. How do you drink your coffee, if you do drink coffee? Uh, black with a little bit of creamer, just a little bit. What kind of creamer? Um, you know, I found this Laird's, uh, like, the keto super, creamer. The, the super uh, superfood creamer? Yeah, like, it's unsweetened. I, I don't take sugar, and I don't, I'm not a sugar fan at all. And that's not, like, some moral virtue, not me trying to, you know, be fit. I just don't have a sweet tooth. So, um, yeah. I mean, or, you know, I, I'm not picky. I'll, I'll, I mean, I grew up, you know, around a car dealership. I mean, drank some really, really shitty coffee. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm, sure. I'm not, I'm not sure. at all picky. I, I appreciate good coffee, but... I'm not real picky about my coffee, so coffee with a little creamer, no sugar at all. Okay, this next question is 
one of the more important ones here. Uh, does pineapple belong on pizza? Oh, yes, it does. Dude, yeah. I'm telling you, we're winning in this. Yes, in this. let's we go. We have to be. Let's go. Like everybody recently. Else. <laughs> everybody besides uh, Ian Saro recently has a... Listen, I'm an enemy of ideology always. I mean, I, there's... There, uh, and so I think the person who first put... You know, pineapple on pizza, who almost certainly was stoned. Uh, <laughs> yeah, definitely. But they deserve to be, you know, enshrined in some way. They they should be, uh, you know, they should be remembered forever. Uh, what, what's your favorite type of pizza? Oh, wow. What uh, if he's like, obviously, Hawaiian. No, you know what? This is, this is such like a not, um, this is a very old school answer, but thin and crispy double pepperoni pizza hut. Dude, there you let's go. go. Pizza Hut, thin and crispy was my favorite. I'll yeah. settle for Domino's, yeah. thin and crispy now, but Pizza Hut, legendary. I mean, I'm not proud of that because I'm an, I'm an anti-franchise guy. I, I got to say, I, I love Southside Pizza. Uh, yes. I know so, you guys were going there because I've heard this podcast before, but uh, <laughs> they have a Tartufo uh, that's really fantastic. As yeah, well. that's that's probably my favorite one of theirs, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Is, that, is that your favorite uh, pizza spot in Chattanooga? Uh, yeah, it is. Mm-hmm. Shout out Southside Pizza, yeah, right around the corner from my and house. So. We're talking. We've we've talked about innovation. Now we're talking about pizza. I'm gonna try it just because. But Pizza Cortila in Red Bank, which we've mentioned <laughs> multiple times on here, it's great. If they have a sponsorship budget, they're just they're just dead wrong. Not pitching you guys. A I know budget. they they just put <laughs> or just pitch, pitching Jay. They, I, think, I think our uh, listenership would uh, disagree with that budget. <laughs> they literally Maybe. just put strawberries on a pizza. Oh, now that's a bridge too far. Oh man, maybe, maybe not. I have I no opinion because I haven't tried it. Well, it's it doesn't is, seem right, but one word for you: fructose. You know, it's sweet. You, you know, I don't. I guess. I guess pineapple maybe too. Okay, I'm never going to say never, but I'm yeah, right. I'm I'll report. I'll report back. I'll let okay. you guys know. There is there. My my thought is there's no bad pizza. There's only pizza you like more or you like less. Pizzas. That's fair. I've and, never, and I've gotta say, I've and never... there's some pizza whose uh, toppings should be fired into the sun. Well, <laughs> he's the non-pineapple on pizza guy. <laughs> I gathered that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Speaking of not having ideologues uh, on on this podcast, Matthew, uh, seltzer versus beer. Both and you know, again, I, it's been interesting to watch the impact of seltzer on the beer business. Um, not great, but you know, it's funny that our old brewer at Chattanooga Brewing was just. The beer business is funny, right? A lot of people go into it. It's kind of like people, you know, somebody, somebody's a great chef and says, you should go open a restaurant. Well, there's a lot more to it than that, right? You, may, you can be a great chef and not know how to run a restaurant. And as it turns out, a lot of people wind up in the beer business for that same thing. They love beer, um, but maybe they don't know so much about brewing, which is, in fact, how I wound up with Chattanooga Brewing Company. That's a, another matter. But uh, um, anyway, um, we were not, you know, uh, uh, the, uh, he, and we didn't. Jordan's a great guy and a great brewer and left to go back to Michigan to pursue other stuff amicably, right? So there's nothing to it, but he was not at all interested in, uh, in, uh, seltzer and, uh, got a new brewer down there, um, by the name of Warren who came up from Ormond beach and super creative guy. And maybe they'll do one. I don't know. Again, that's, that's also often the, the blind trust. So I'm just another customer these days, but, uh, I'm guessing maybe he will, but I, I'm again, a big fan of ranch water. I think, uh, the, the, uh, Gosh, what is it? They make a grapefruit and a regular, and that's about the only one I really like. But I really, really like those. The grapefruit. I got. I got to try ranch water. I like all stuff. grapefruit seltzers. I, every grapefruit seltzer I've ever had is. Yeah. Most of them much. are too sh- sweet to me. They're either too straight up sweet or they're too saccharine sweet. They mm-hmm. put yeah. some artificial. Yeah. And I can't. Yes. Do that. Almost syrupy in a way, which doesn't like really go well with a seltzer. I've, I've noticed that too. It is a little bit like cheap beer, though. The cold. If you get a, you know, if you have natural light, Bud Light, 
and Miller Lite ice I cold. I cannot believe you, you put can, natural light. Listen in the to me, listen. Category. You get them ice, ice, <laughs> ice cold. Keystone, you get them ice cold. You're not going to tell a ton of difference. As they start warming up, you can tell all the difference in the world. But when they're ice cold, same with seltzers. You get seltzers ice cold, they start getting warmers when you f- start finding out what they really are. What they really are. Yeah, the weird thing is, you know, before you, you know, um, throw shade on on light beer, it, it's they will tell you. Uh, brewers will tell you. That's the hardest thing by far. You can't do. cover it with hops. You can't. That's exactly right. Oh and, wow! Uh, I yeah, never thought about yeah, that. It's much, it's harder, much to... more difficult to mass produce natty light than it is to make a good IPA. Yeah, dude. I don't think I've ever said this publicly, but my favorite ex- extra light beer would be Bush Light, but only when I'm deer hunting in deer hunting season, <laughs> and they sell it in the orange in the camo. and camouflage yeah. box. It completes yes. the whole thing. I'm like, dude. I got to get that. Yeah, we got to go deer hunting sometime. I'm I am more than down. I know, actually, I said that one time when yeah. we were in the Southside Parade. I was talking to Paul Rustan, and you were standing there, and I was and I was like, ah, fall time, rain. And I was like, the, my favorite place to be. And they were like, where, inside? You know. And I yeah. was like, no, actually, deer hunting. And you looked at me, and you're like, oh, yeah. okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, but yeah, yeah, that is the time I buy that bush. You ever going to bring that mustache back you had from deer hunting a few years you ago? You know, I have to um you grow up mean mustache. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's it can it can be pretty, you know, um that feels like dastardly. That feels like yeah. a year left in your term. Could be Tight. that or, or a year like, left in like, my marriage without, because without, that's without. that's the problem is that Jenny absolutely hates it because That's the best Je- answer ever. Yeah, cuz Jenny's just like not having it. Not having it. Now something could change, right? I mean, she may decide that um, she likes a mustachioed man, or I could decide that I no longer care for conjugal relations. You know, <laughs> both of those things are highly unlikely to happen, and therefore the the mustache, the, gonna the stay mustache is probably not yeah. coming. Shout out back. to Jonathan Dryling because I was growing a mustache. I remember I came to HBC to play, and like everybody was like, "Whoa!" And that's <laughs> yeah. just the first time I just had a mustache. I was going on a bachelor party, and uh, he looked at me and he was like, "Does your wife like it?" And I was like, "No." And he was like, "She probably doesn't like kissing a broom." And like yeah. this just. <laughs> Light bulb yeah. went off in my head, and I was like, "Dang, That's, he's got not, a point." It ain't complicated, right? Plus, I kind of look like Yosemite Sam, which didn't help. <laughs> I, I don't know. I thought, I thought that was a great look. <laughs> well, I mean, thanks, but uh, we'll see. I, I thought it was cool. What, what I generally do is grow a beard during hunting season. Sure. And then, and then, what's fun about that? I'm definitely more creative than I think a lot of people realize. And this is devolving the beard, mm-hmm. right? Uh, first, you lose the uh, the sides. Yep. And you have sort of Goatee-ish. some version of a goatee, and then you know it's fun to kind of mess with until you. And I usually will get down to sort of the Fu Manchu, and then and then cut it off at the you know at the edges of, the, and then you know slowly it goes away. I'm lucky. I get I get the growth like in between the beard and the mustache, so I can get a mean curl. Well, so can I? Yeah. So that's where you got to you got to go to Chattanooga Beard Company. You got to get the balm. Yeah. And when you get that stuff, man, you just put a little bit on your thumb and fingers and twist. Well, and what's weird is, about mine is it's um I haven't tried since i've gotten a little bit older but my beard grows out red so, oh really yeah so it's a super red mine does too yeah beard yeah my, get, i get i get a bunch of i get a bunch like the, i have a little bit of strawberry blonde hair yeah. but i have like a, almost a ginger beard it's not all ginger but like i have a mine quite is, red my mustache is straight up like dark red my son's hair is that color that's where he gets it yeah it must be yeah. I'm, so. I'm, I'm, so. I'm just yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah i'm i'm just still here like Thinking about Chenier Brewing Company doing a seltzer. Oh, I, it'll happen. Like I feel I feel making, sure that it will happen at some point. I, I mean, love it that. has to, right? I mean, yeah, that's, that's where the business is going, yeah. and it's not. And they're not. And right now, they're handily, so, they're not very hard to make. You're correct. You, you just got to decide to make them. You got to be precise, love, and you get the money that you're giving the guest tax. Well, right now. I mean, I've said forever, right? Chenier Brewing was, you know, one of the other than Big River, kind of the OG 
you know, craft brewing place in Chattanooga. Yeah. And they um, took that very, very seriously for a very long time and, and still do. I mean, uh, both in terms of, you know, history and, and again, a lot of people probably don't realize that it was the largest you know, in its first iteration. It was the largest brewery in the entire Southeast from 1895 to Prohibition. I mean, they were making something like 30,000 barrels a year wow. and shipping them from, I mean, you can go back through old microfiche at newspapers.com. And I mean, you know, they were running ads in Texas, uh, all the way up to Cincinnati where Christian Moorline was. That was the other huge um, brewing center all the way down to Florida. I mean, it was 800 pound gorilla um, of, of breweries. And then of course, prohibition came along and, and wiped them out. So I think that kept them very, very traditional for a long time. Yeah. But because of that, you know, they didn't have a liquor license and didn't have wine. And, you know, at, at the risk of um, promulgating stereotypes, uh, a lot of women would rather drink something other than beer. And so, you know, they, they had a lot of, you know, it was, it was a very male audience. And, and seltzer opens up to a, a different crowd. Not that, and a younger you know, crowd, too. And a younger crowd. So, younger crowd, for yeah. sure. Yeah, so I bet they do one. I think uh, a lot of people, uh, and we'll, we should move on from the beer question. This is the longest we've ever stood on this. Normally, it's <laughs> like enough. seltzer. Yeah, you can edit it down later. You know. yeah, but I, know. The, I think if everybody that goes into CBC from now on, I think a lot of people know CBC as this one location that yep. is right across from Finley. But you should walk into uh, CBC, and while you're getting a table, you should turn around. You should look up. And there's a picture of old oh, Chattanooga absolutely. with the old. Somebody finally told me that that's the old CBC. It's kind of like highlighted, deal. right? Yeah, that was my uh, brainchild. Um, I, I paid uh, a licensing fee to David Moon at Picknooga, who does a fantastic job of. David's a solid guy. Yeah, great guy, and that is really amazing if you look at it. And so that was my very subtle way. I didn't want to kind of draw too much attention to it. And had that kind of Schindler's List idea, if you've ever seen that movie, where they yep. colorize just one and colorize just that. And kudos to you, Jay, for figuring it out, because a lot of people never do. But that's that was the purpose. But that it was huge. If you're kind of an old timer in Chattanooga, that's you know, what these big smokestacks that were down by the river. Those were uh, those were part of the original. Yeah. Brewery. See, I moved here in 2012, so yeah. like a lot of that doesn't exist to me. I, yeah. I'm I'm post uh, aquarium. You know what I mean? So like yeah. that whole that that's all mellow mushroom, all that in that area. So when I look back at pictures and understand what that was on that road at that time, it yep. just it's it's a crazy walk back in time for me because it's so different from what it is now. Well, it's really I'll cool to see it. Blow your mind open a little more, and that Sweet. is that uh, if it weren't for Chattanooga Brewing Company, in fact, if you look at the original script and look at Coca Cola's later, I mean, you're like, wait a minute, what's going on here? That it was post prohibition. It was all the infrastructure that was here, the bottle makers, the crate makers, mm -hmm. all that stuff, the oh. ice that, that provided the baseline infrastructure for Coca-Cola's explosive growth. Had, so in a way, had it not been for Chattanooga Brewing Company and the unfortunate demise of the first iteration, there probably wouldn't be a Coca-Cola um, wow. as we know it. You know? Sweet. That's crazy. Holy shit. Very closely related. Wow. Holy yeah. shit. I didn't, I mean, it makes perfect sense. It never crossed my mind. Yep. Yeah, super deep. The, the, guy. Yeah, the the all all those ancillary suppliers were. Yeah, it makes perfect. They, the infrastructure was here, so people yeah. were able to get back to work and whatever else. Precisely. Throw your phone again, Matt. What would I'm you? Just if, yeah, and, and you may have a boat. So this, but, but what would if you had if you didn't or if you do have a boat, what would you name it? I have had a boat, uh, and and I've you know as, as a lot of boat owners figured out right, uh, it's a money pit, and uh, I just I'm a I think it's fair to say I'm a workaholic, and I'd say that. Um, 
Yeah, I am, right? So I, I should spend more time screwing around, but I just don't. And I've come to the conclusion that I'm never going to. <laughs> uh, the boat that I had was not was too, uh, was too small to really have a name. It would have been very bizarre and pretentious. Um, <laughs> Which is also the reason for naming a small boat. Right. That's a good point. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm going to sort of think about this for a minute. If I ever did have a big old boat, what would I call it? Um, While you think about that, I just yeah. want people to know he said it's a money pit. Do you know what boat stands for? Bust out another thousand. There you go. Yeah, I have friends in the power sports business who, you know, from the sales perspective, of course, because they make a lot of money on boats. Boats are very profitable. I'm sure business standpoint. Um, Yeah, I don't know the Louise. I've always liked that. Uh, That's a good name. Yeah, I I do think that that may be the first like legit boat name we've ever been given. That's true. Correct. Most people skip that question, but I want to answer. You know, sort of a. Old-fashioned arcane woman's name. That's what I think it should be. Yeah, I agree. Beautiful. Good. Best purchase you've made in the last year. Um, normally, we put a caveat on this of 100 bucks or less, but it can be anything. But the 100 bucks or less makes it a little more approachable for... Man, a year, so it could be, a year, a year is mayor. Could be... Could be, a, could <laughs> what, be a, what a year to ask so here's that some, question. Here's some prompts, right? Like, mm-hmm. uh, could be a, sh- a favorite shaver, change your morning routine. Could be a journal. Could be a pair of headphones. Mine, like, mine was an impact driver. Yeah, his was. A, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm kind of a gadget guy, and uh, so that's a it's a tough one. I mean, I bought, I bought some cool stuff. I'm gonna go. You 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 prompted me, so I found some um, Cremo uh, shaving cream, like in a tube. Mm-hmm. It's got menthol in it that is kick ass. It's really great. Well, it's it's cooling. Great. It's really cool. It's just great. Now, do you shave good. with a shave with a regular razor? Regular old razor. Yeah, I used to do electric. I don't know why I quit. Come to think of it, but uh, it's just it's just easier. Yeah. You know, I don't like when I'm having to travel a lot. Didn't like lugging around an electric razor and trying to keep up with it. Char- um, keep it charged. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. No, it makes perfect sense. Uh, what per- this is a producer Jay question? What percentage of the game do you think is mental, and what percentage do you think is physical? Obviously, the game we're talking about soccer. Is- yeah. Well, I've heard you ask this before. I can't say that I've thought about my answer, but I will say it crossed my mind the first time I heard it. It depends on the position. Okay. So I think for my mm. position, for, for a goalkeeper, I think it's, man, I think it's like 75% mental. Um, for, you know, for, for others, for a midfielder, uh, I mean, I, it's, it's no less than 50-50 mental physical for sure. And I think for most positions, it's... Uh, so it's no less than 50-50 overall, but depending on the not scale, depending on the, asp- the, the ratio by position. Yeah. So not So the number nine may be a little less... Yep. Between the goalkeeper, which is like he technically, what did they say? You got to be insane to be a goalkeeper, something like that. A little bit, yeah. Got to be insane. That's our mayor, folks. To be a politician as well. It's about decision making. Ultimately, it's about decision making. Sure, right. Very, very fast decision making. Yep. So uh, that's that's why it's so mental. Hence, I'm why I'm not a goalkeeper. Can I ask a uh, a variant on this question? Sure. Related to politics, how much of politics is like what percentage of politics is planning versus instinct? Oh man, Ooh, I would question. hope that it's um, man. That's a that's a. I don't know. I don't know that that's a fair dichotomy. I mean, planning is is really really. It depends on the politician, right? Uh, I think there are a lot of politicians. I, I would hope that it would be at least seventy five percent planning. Um, there are a lot of politicians, however, who, who just go on instinct based on the way the wind's blowing and what they feel at the time. And that is no way to run a railroad. Um, I mean, maybe it's, and, and I will say too, very, very different. No, people don't appreciate how fundamentally different legislative politics is from executive politics. Oh yeah. I mean, people say, well, politics and business are not the same. I'm telling you being mayor, 
running a organization of 2,600 people is not that different um, than running a company. It's really, really not. You know, you have to you have to have a clear vision, have a strategic plan, break that into digestible pieces, and then and then just hold people accountable and drive that vision through your organization. It's not that's not different from business. Now, the budgetary aspects, yes, of course. You know, the the substitute taxpayers for shareholders. It's just it's not that different. It's really not. Uh, legislative. Not my cup of tea. I want no <laughs> part of it. And I imagine the instinct part of that is much more like reading people and, yeah. uh, you know, and, and, and sort of whipping votes and that stuff is, I imagine, more instinct. And again, want no part of it. <laughs> I love legislative politics. It's so fun. God bless you. Nerd. It's so, yeah. it's so dumb sometimes, but it's so fun. Dude, what, what is funny, funny about Matt is I didn't necessarily watch him work, but I know Chattanooga, Matt. And then one time I got a really awesome trip to DC. I got a tour of the Capitol. We went in places a lot of people don't get to go, which was really awesome. But we had to break up this like time uh, where we were doing one thing and the other. And so Matt, and my two coworkers slash bosses and I went and met up with Matt in Washington. And we, I don't, what, what were we standing outside of when we first met you? It's where I we was were, asked to turn the camera off. We, <laughs> we were outside of the Senate cafeteria. And that was cool to see Matt and that completely just, I know Matt from like drinking beer yeah, and right. shooting the shit and then doing a podcast. Yeah. And then seeing Matt in DC, like dressed up, working, and it was just like having to take, was crazy. Dude. Senators having to take meetings with him because he needs to talk to them about banking reform for the little guy. Like what? Yeah. This is which yeah. is why he, in fact, is one of the good guys. But yes, that is his yeah. that is his fun pitch. Yeah. But it's re- it's really it's fun more to fun watch. to make. It's more fun to make that pitch before they know. <laughs> yeah, it's really yeah. fun. To, I, I made I made a, a group of there was uh, three ladies we were talking to at a bar. Um, we just we, you know we introduced and we were just talking and they, they were like so what do you do and i told them you know i'm i work for myself now i used to drive a truck this that and the other and then mac and then i go like guess what he does and then we went through that and i'm like and then he's a lobbyist and then they're they're shocked and not happy and then i'm like well guess what he lobbies for and they're guessing oil and gas and you know all of these just it's, it's fun to watch people guess how bad matt could be yeah and then he gets to be well, like, that's unfortunately what people associate with it lobbying. Is. You know? It is. But but good companies have lobbyists too. They have to, right? Yeah, I mean, and and good companies have to have lobbyists have to have lobbyists to defend themselves from the bad companies. Lo- lobbyists are defense point. lawyers. Everyone should be entitled to one. You just have to pay for it. Right. <laughs> oh yeah. That's that's a you've you've used that more than once. Uh, how do you get your cardio work in if you do? Oh God, yes I do. I mean, I I exercise you know pretty religiously for my mental health as much as my physical health. But Same. Ca- cardio, I will either go to Get Built, Get Built uh, is a CrossFit gym over on the south side, and they do a conditioning class, which is really really good. It will, a lot of body weight stuff, and that's the one right there on Main, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. So like that place, but my schedule is so whacked sure. that it's it's really hard to maintain a regular workout schedule, and I get pretty. Uh, I get pretty grouchy if I can't do it some, you know, but, but so the city, the city, believe it or not, has a wellness center that is super cool. It's one of the best assets the city of Chattanooga has. If you're thinking about coming to work for the city of Chattanooga, which everybody should, um, that has a built in doctor's office, pharmacy and gym. All it needs now is a cafeteria, but the gym in there is pretty good. So I can always go in there and knock one out or I can run. I'll, I'll, I'll go run around Fort Wood, you know, a couple, two or three miles. Are you a daily workout guy? Uh, no, three times a week plus soccer on Sundays. is that's generally it for me. I mean, I'm, I just don't have time. I literally I have to like cancel <laughs> meetings. I'm like, I'm going to work out. 
you know, and then I'll probably say something rude. I'm just, I get really annoyed because my staff's always trying to overwrite my workout. Like that's something that, you know, would be nice to do. I'm like, that's not how this works, people. <laughs> it's all my schedule. It's not how it works. Right, yeah. I mean, they, they do say if it's not on your calendar, it's not a, and I'm not talking about I, you, I, I mean, in general. No, like, but I, I, trust me, I live uh, by Google Calendar, right? I mean, if it's not on there, like it doesn't exist. I mean, I, I literally, I, I'd be lost without it. I, well, I'd be a hell of a lot less productive without it. Let's put it that way. That's so funny because like I'm learning how to like really live by a calendar now. And my generation is like, just doesn't do that. And my no. boss has pointed that out. Like, <laughs> but since but since I've started doing it, man, yeah. it has the, it has put me. I'm streamlined. The now. older I, the older I get, the more I do. My my mom used to keep it by like. She had a little physical oh day God. planner and like keep it. Yeah, all. she still does. My dad, same. My, my dad had a piece of paper. He was a he was a mechanical engineer and he had a mechanical pencil. And he would at the beginning of every month he would rule out a month like a square and he would get the pencil out and every time I would be struggling with my phone he'd be like, see this I don't need that I got you know got you it was like a John Henry and the hammer thing. Like, yeah, my dad calls it the book. Yeah, and my mom, my mom is essentially my dad's CPA. He's a, a self-employed musician, yeah. technically. So she's like, "Bring me the book," and I would always be like, "So what's on?" With asking him about doing stuff, I'm like, "What's on your book?" And he still, to this day, he'll be on a phone call, you know, on his iPhone uh, 13 or whatever he's got, and he's like, "Okay, that date, sure. Let me write it down in pen and pencil." <laughs> <laughs> No, you can flip through my my, my calendar is pretty insane. Sometimes when I kind of lose it, I should never do this, but you know, people be like, "Hey, man, can you swing by here in an hour?" You know, as a mirror, I'm like, "What I want to say is, are you effing kidding me?" <laughs> I mean, like, if I have a spare twenty minutes, two weeks out, it's I'm damn lucky. But if I can plan it, I mean, if I can put it on here, it may be two weeks out. Well, I feel I extra mean, special now. Oh my well, god, no, I mean, it's, it's, it's like a it's like a Tetris game, but. You know, you get a lot more done that way. Yeah, and well, we appreciate yeah. you. Uh, you coming out and being no. generous with your time. Not at all. You, for anyone that didn't know, like you didn't put a bunch of limits on. Like, oh, I got forty no. minutes. Like, dude, you know. I mean, again, if as long as I put it on the calendar, I mean, again, it might be three weeks from now, but by God, when it does, as long as I block it out, I've got the time. So we talked about working out. That was the the question we asked there. Um, a big one that we like to to see about people is, and if you've listened to the podcast, you've heard us talk about this. Do you listen to anything when you work out? That is either running oh, or yeah. whatever. Yep. If unless I'm if I'm running with my wife, I don't. Obviously, that would be rude. Um, she's faster than me, so it can be really annoying. But I guess <laughs> yeah, so all you're trying to do is a keep up, keep up. Pretty much, yeah. She she's anyway. That's a different topic. Shout out, Jenny. But uh, yeah, but no. If I'm if I'm just like on an elliptical or something like that, absolutely, I'm listening to my. Uh, I got I was my backup answer, but it's more than hundred bucks. I got some really cool Sony WX one thousand. M4 earphones that are that really kick ass and uh, stay in your ears. Big fan of those, they do. So uh, yes, they loop around or are they just earbuds? They're just earbuds, but they stay in there. I need to get an. Uh, I use one of those horseshoe ones, the one like old school, yeah. like, and they work so great because I can't lose it very easy because it's always around my neck. But for doing any sort of uh, like calisthenics or anything, they're terrible because it bounces up and down. Yeah, those that's no good. So it's great for walking around. It's not great for running. Can I can I say something that will get me kicked off the podcast? Oh wow! Uh, I know it. Shit! I mean, I feel like I should say no, but hell yeah, go ahead. <laughs> so uh, I I've recently. In no. my in my outdoor no. in my outdoor You know where running. he's going with no, this. I already know what you're gonna say. <laughs> in my outdoor running, uh, I've started not listening to music and not even taking my phone with me. You know what's funny is I'm acting like, like that blows my mind, but I know you're a psychopath. Yeah, like, exactly. So, <laughs> returning, <laughs> like returning to form uh in my old running days. 
Yeah. Uh, and I'm enjoying it. There's wow, something cool. to be said for it. I mean, I, again, I've done it plenty. I can do it both ways. Again, a lot of it is how far I'm going to go. Because if yeah. I go for a long distance, the misery quotient starts to really add up, and, and music helps. It helps a lot. Yeah, uh, for, uh, for sure. sure. Yeah. So if you if you if you couch it and you say, "Listen, I want to be disconnected from screens and from whatever else." No. Nope. No. Well, then I'm nope. then I'm giving you the so, psycho card. So if you're on if you're on like an indoor machine, like a treadmill, for me. I need music for that. Right. Like, I'm just not gonna like hear the hear the sound of the treadmill. Sure, but different again. parts of the city have different sounds, and I'm sure you're running in all kind of different areas. So, so like, I'm sure that that's I've I've started like for downtown and North Shore, like when I'm running, to just run run without any music, like, and 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 I've started doing this for two reasons. Like, I'm still out of shape. I'm still a little overweight, and. I need to be able to listen to my body a little bit better. Mm. And when I'm running oh, okay. outdoors without music, with like the music like will help propel me forward, like do whatever. Yeah. And without it, I have to listen to my body a little bit and say, you yeah. know what? This next this next mile stretch, like we should we should like, take it a little bit easier, mm-hmm. like not not try to push ourselves to the limit so that I can actually run the next day or the next day. You should get one of these watches and you can just look at your heart rate and Eh, that's the bridge too far. That's too yeah. much technology. Okay, fair enough. I, like to, I like to be one with the traffic. But I think you're technically baby, you're technically a baby boomer, yeah? Is no, Gen X. Gen X. Okay. Yeah. So uh, Matthew is the boomerist of boomers. He, he who isn't a boomer. I wish boomer, I wish Smitty was here because he'd be going in on that right now. <laughs> he really. I, mean, I, I, I could do a whole thing about um, disdain for baby boomers. I gotta say, Gen X, my generation is you know small and narrow, and basically extending a middle finger up and down the ladder because uh you know we got dealt a pretty tough hand to, de- to deal with um in, in a lot of respects but uh um it's a it's an interesting generation to be a part of yeah yeah and, and it's also not fair to stereotype any generation right but i do like stereotyping matthew and his uh black coffee the physical newspaper yeah. and hating technology yeah like it's, it's shout, good... shout out to the times free press for getting rid of my newspaper every day i'm uh, still pissed about that i'm just i just now like i just That's now another podcast but it's yeah. been what is this like the middle of the middle of end of april something like that yeah near the end of April, uh, it's 24th. been it's been a while since they discontinued my daily paper and i had to like get it on this, still angry on, the, on this ipad yeah. and i just now connected that to my icloud i um i just now did that today yeah. i'm so pissed well i know how to backdoor my way into all of their articles so if you want to tell you that tip later i can yeah yeah give me that tip later i got because i'm not i should pay but i'm it comes boycotting the times free press. somebody you showed should. me in my mind exploded. you should okay. cover cover cfc time happy. free press yep Okay. No, well, I mean, yeah, don't get me started. Can I, mean, I... I think uh, Gene Henley's probably getting checks in the mailbox from somebody, but uh, if he's uh, not, I don't. If that'll... he should be, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah, for sure. If he's doing it for that for free, it's, it's a... anyway. Yeah. So, anyway, here, here's here's a more here's possibly a more like civic duty minded thing that I'll say. Okay. The Tennessee Times Free Press, and full disclosure, my father worked there for like I don't know thirty years or something like that. Uh, it is what it is. Like it's it's it a local paper. Now. It's not. It's not an incredible paper, but it is our local paper, and they do cover some things that matter. Uh, some, and they, uh, and and like, listen, like journalist paper, like it is what it is. It sure. could be so much better. It and could I, be I'm, so I'm much better, yeah, but it only yeah. can be better if they have, you know, and the, the business staff, model has to work. 100%. The staff and resources to be able to like, no, cover the things that matter. Absolutely, investigative agree. journalism costs a lot. It so. does. 
even if it's not that great, you should spend your $300 a year. To you absolutely should. I mean, I subscribe again, to different podcasts, but I, I despair uh, often and loudly about the state of journalism in mid-sized markets in particular. Yeah. And it's because as somebody spent a, you know, a gazillion trillion dollars on advertising over the years in my f- former businesses, um, you know, the, the media market has become so fractured that it's just it's everybody's just kind of placed instead of playing poker you're now playing roulette and you're putting a chip here and a chip here and a chip here and a chip here and and nobody's hoping to cash you know, yeah and so yeah those those particularly big newspapers are really really struggling struggling to figure it out and i'm every time i really get disgusted with the paper um, i'm reminded by my counterparts in Nashville and Memphis, whose papers are owned by Gannett, that we should yeah. be damn lucky. Yeah. And, and we should. But that being said, good is the Emmy of great. Yes. And uh, it, it could be so much It could better. be better. And, and it's got to be, this is a whole different sidetrack, but it's got to be hard as a as a politician that you are now. Whether you like to be think of that as not, you are a politician. No, I know I am. And, I'm, I'm and, and seeing critical yeah. coverage about things that may or may not be fair. I don't mind that. I don't mind that. I just, I just, I can't stand the stupidity. You know, I mean, it's like B, I'm, I want smarter people. I want tougher questions. I don't want more softballs. I mean, why the hell are they spending, you know, 40 pages, you know, uh, reporting on, uh, you know, national or international issues when it's a local paper? Like nobody needs to pick up the freaking Times Free Press to read about. Um, you know, again, not that I, I, I'm deeply disturbed and, and I care a lot about what's going on in Ukraine, but that's not why I read the time, Times Free Press, right? I, I, you I get enough of a local that, paper to you get read local news. Else. Yeah. Precisely. So, and, so, this, and so this is actually they, really interesting. Like, yeah. Do you think that, that lo- the, the business proposition for local papers becoming more relevant than a lot of times they are for people is to pivot all the way to local Absolutely. news and out of and out of the things that we can read about on the internet Absolutely. two days before. Absolutely. Absolutely. 100%. I mean, we, we, uh, you know, uh, when I, for one of my first projects, when I got into office was standing up this project, uh, which we did do that a woman named Mary Helen Montgomery is, is uh, running at the enterprise center called Chatter matters. And the whole idea is to produce content uh, that is in depth, right? The stuff that papers can't or won't fund anymore, and then syndicate it, give it away, you know, uh, and let like obviously we, they rather, the Enterprise Center will will have a social media channel and probably EPB eventually get an EPB channel and they'll 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 push push it out that way. But if you know paper wants to pick it up or Channel Three or whatever, they can pick it up and run it too. And because somebody has got to, the problem is they don't have the budget to hire the people to go tell the story. So, yeah, it's it's one hundred percent local. It it needs to be local, and that is uh, to to your point or Jay's. I mean, that's we can get national international news for somewhere else. What what can you do that nobody else can do better than you? And that of course is report local. local. And it doesn't matter if it's politics or sports or uh, culture. Uh, so much of what we get is just fluffy BS, and uh, that yeah. makes me mad. I hear you. We we actually just met one of a uh, girl that works at Chatham Matters. Uh, shout out Gabby. She'll never hear this, but we met uh, we we met her at a. She will not. At, she, I hope I hope for her sake she doesn't. This is a weird podcast divergence for her. I don't think she likes uh, soccer from what our conversation, but. Uh, uh, we had a lovely conversation. She was like, do you, have you heard of Chatter Matters? And anyway, that was uh, like a week ago or two weeks yeah. ago. So yeah, yeah, I yeah I hope a lot and, more people will hear about it because I think it's really important. Uh, it's an important project. Um, yeah. Seems really cool. Yeah. Yep. I, I love the idea of more, like you said, more local, truly local journalism. Absolutely. Like, local I mean, I, and not to wax too, 
you know, poetic. But I, I do think with democracy really being under threat from a lot of different angles, mm. if if people are going to get reengaged, you know, and and democracy is is really going to function well. You know, it's almost axiomatic, but it's going to happen at the local level. That's right. It has to start at home. Right. The the state level and the the federal level, if you think about it, are really just abstractions. All they do is hoover up money and then give it back in some way, shape, or form. Nobody lives at that level. And so if people can't figure out a way, like if you look at our, the the rate of, of people that turn up to vote, it's, it's pitiful. It's scary. It's sad. And why? Because they just feel disengaged. They feel like it doesn't matter, right? Yeah, they feel like so, it's like the magnifying glass has shifted to the overall federal level. Which as is opposed BS. To being... It goes back to the serenity prayer thing, right? We've all become hypnotized mm-hmm. by all this kind of shiny, sexy stuff at the mainly at the national and international level. You don't live there. Right, exactly. <laughs> you live here. Exactly. Right? What's Get your head out of your you? ass and pay attention to what actually affects your quality of life here. And what you can affect. Right. Because the, the sample size is so much smaller. Your right. vote counts locally it doesn't really count nationally well and, and I mean, it it's counts, not that you know it doesn't saying? matter it does matter but i just think that we've got the pantheon inverted what matters more local, is the stuff that you can control locally local yes. elections, better said, better local said. elections are getting about 20 percent turnout at That's least in this so area sad, man. and yeah. in in toward the 2020 presidential election the most engaged voter turnout uh in decades yeah. i think what do we hit like 58% nationally? Yeah, I think that's right. Like literally 42% of the country that's voting age and eligible is just like, nah, man, we're good. Which again, I sort of get that on the national level because it's like, well, I mean, again, it's big, it's an abstraction. Mm -hmm. What's going on in Minneapolis or New Mexico or even what the, you know, obviously what, what the U S military does is important in some abstract sense. Um, you know, but it's not. But there's no arguably. Expl- there's a there's no explanation for like local elections hitting twenty percent. No, it should be the other way around. Right. Yeah, I mean, local locals should be eighty percent turnout. Yeah, right? yeah, um, exactly. And yeah. it should build up to that, the national level. Like if you if you think about it, if yeah. you, if you build up your local level, then people understand how to vote and why you vote. Maybe that triggers people who are less likely to vote normally on a national election, like you said, around 50%, which is incredible for the amount of people that live in this country. Yeah. I mean, it's a lot of people, but it's a lot of people also not voting. Well, that's, that, where that's what I mean. Yeah. It's like you build up to increase yeah. that number by, by focusing on what is happening locally. Then you realize the difference that you can make there. And then maybe that influences you to, this is this is not not our podcast at all. I know. Seriously, I don't know. I don't know. I think we solved it, guys. I think I'm we solved it. Considering texting, uh, <laughs> considering uh, texting Secretary Trey Hargett and be like, "Hey, like, come on the podcast. Let's talk also, about voting." Yeah, also, yeah. subtle subtle flex there that you can text Trey Hargett. Yeah. Uh, Who's a soccer fan, by the way? Interesting. I once had to get him tickets to a CFC game. Ah, well, then maybe we will. Uh, I think it was only because Nashville was coming here to do an exposition or something, but uh, yeah. I don't know. That, that sounds right. That I've, sounds I've talked. That to was him. also not a handball. I've talked to him. It was not a handball, <laughs> and I've talked to him about uh, when he comes. And we're to, back when he comes. Yeah. To, when he comes to Chattanooga next to uh, to come to a game sometime. Hell so yeah, we'll try to we'll try to keep working on that, and I'm going to enlist you now to help with that. I'll be happy to. Last couple uh, or last few, not that we have to wrap up, but last few that we have on our agenda. Uh, best hidden talent for oh, you that man. people wouldn't know. 
drumming probably yeah nice most, most people don't know that i've been playing the drums since i was like three years old that's awesome and uh so yeah i you know i have go long stretches between being able to play and when i wandered down to the section the other day i appreciate you yeah, lending you, me those sticks but oh what you got drafted once yeah. you once you, <laughs> you you fucked up dude you, you were like yeah. oh yeah let me let me play that drum a little bit and i was like no yeah. no you put it on and then no, i saw no, you like, struggling with it. it off once i put it on <laughs> played the played the whole half i was proud yeah, of you no, 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 can, no, can i say. spur off that question and ask you who your favorite drummer of all time is yeah, sure. Probably, um, I've got a few, right? I mean, I, I've been playing the drums a long time, so um, probably Keith Moon. Cool, yeah, that's who, a great one. Yeah, um, I, I, I um, I'm, I'm not like a Neil Pert fan. I know you know everybody, and, and I love Charlie Watts, man. I love that really good spare in the pocket style. Sure. Yeah, yeah mine's, more of a jazz mm, drummer fan. He's more technical. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, mine's Levon Hill. I love Levon too. Yeah, yeah. Mine's Carter Beaufort, Dave Matthews drummer. Yeah. Now he's. Fantastic. I used to watch when I was when I played in in a lot yeah. of uh, a lot more. I haven't played in years, but when I played like actual drum set, like I, he was a guy I'd watch on like doing solos or doing just like entire videos of just him drumming. Like interesting. Just, he was yeah for that general for my, that period of time where I was obsessed with that. That was sure mm-hmm. that was the guy that pulled me. Favorite restaurant in Chattanooga for a date? You're taking Jenny out. Like where where's the the at least the go to spot now? Sidetracks. Where's that? Right down the or not right down the road, but it's off Hicks and Pike, right? Yeah. yeah so here's the thing: the guy, this guy Lawton, uh, the, the same guy that owns Boathouse and did own um, Canyon Grill, took a freaking uh, Huddle House, yeah. which is ha- just past the GPS fields by the Tiger Mart. I oh, mean, I know, it's I so saw, random. Yeah, just I before saw it was under construction, city. and I converted it into a. And when it, it got off to a little bit of a rocky start. Um, but it is, man. I mean, the food's fantastic. The staff is fantastic. The menu's fantastic. The vibe is fantastic. Love that place, particularly for a date. Now, again, um, also, um, my brother-in-law's place, Rosecombe, I got a, I got a, he would kill me. If that place is awesome. It's also pretty cool. I that went to Rosecombe awesome. for, uh, for the second time. I where's think, where's that? The last week. Just behind like Il Primo and right on the corner of Riverview Park. Park. Yeah, Riverview Park. Yeah, right. It's awesome. It's fantastic. It's an old house that uh, used to belong to my mother, oddly enough. But uh, she didn't live there. But it was like it was a hair salon, and she was the landlord. And when she died, um, um, it um, it it came to me, and uh, and so my brother in law moved down here from New York and worked at. He ran Chattanooga Brewing. Yeah, I was like. You know, he's got a ton of experience. And I'm texting really my cool wife concept. the name of it now. <laughs> yeah, it's a really great place to take a date. It's got a good vibe. In many ways, it's kind of the, you know, again, it's a risk of, it's, I wouldn't say it's male-female thing, but, uh, you know, if if you, if you're, you know, where Tremont Tavern is get much more of a male vibe, this is, this is, it's, it's got a little more artsy. female vibe, but it's, it's more of a, it's a hipper vibe. Yeah, it's and it's got a lot, of, it's yeah. got a lot of, like, artsy vibes in a good way. Like, it's like yeah, that's, really, that's, like, that's how so, I yeah, that's the, it. yeah. the Rosecombe, um, uh, a little it. secret thing is all those pictures in there are all family pictures. That's not like Applebee stuff we got at a yard sale. That's <laughs> that's, that's all. <laughs> just your my generic, family, your generic family fake families. And, uh, that's yeah, awesome. There's a, there's a kind of a Easter egg in there, me somewhere, but I'm not going to tell you where it is. <laughs> I'm going to go find I, it. I, I, I wanted to go. I've wanted to go to Sidetrack for a while. Uh, uh, Sidetrack is awesome. So dude. I mean, it's I'm gonna have to podcast outing. It is. Yes. I mean, because the menu at Rosecombe is kind of limited, but but Sidetrack is it's wide open. Full on. Nice. Yeah. Uh, favorite spot in Chattanooga? I know you don't have a lot of free time, but let's say you're just you're going somewhere to chill. Do you have a coffee shop you're able to go to, or are you just stuck in the city all the time? You have any place you go to hang out and kill some time? 
Oh man, my backyard. I mean, the backyard. I, I live in Fort Wood, and the, the backyard uh, is, believe it or not, that all those houses are on the historic register. Mm-hmm. And this house, nothing particularly fancy about it, but it's the Olmstead house. It was apparently Frederick Law Olmstead's like uncle or cousin or something. I don't know that, but it's got a, a really cool backyard with a wall around it. I know that's not a great answer, but no, that's fair. But that's, that's true. That is because I can't. Honestly, the fact of the matter is, I can't. You're I, you're I can't. you're the literal mayor. You can't just like show up. No, like, I mean I can't go anywhere without somebody. Hey, man. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. either like take a selfie or or fuck you or that, does, that doesn't happen very often. But but it's not. I'm sure it's not pleasant when it, it does. It's not. It's hard to chill out. I mean, the only place I can really chill out is at home. That's fair. Yeah. Um. I know you don't have a lot of free time now. Do you have any hobbies that you're pursuing right now? If if you do get any free time, he's like, bro, it's Sunday. I'm Come on, good man. I know I you're mean, doing a podcast no. with us. It might be your free time. No, I love. I mean, you know, I love playing soccer. Um. I don't have much time for reading outside of like policy oriented reading. Um, you know, I mean, in my past life, I have done everything from, you know, refinished furniture to, uh, I like, you know, messing around in my garden, in my backyard. I do a lot of okay. planning and, uh, planted a lot during the pandemic. What I kind of stuff are you growing? Uh, clematis, you know, I'm a big fan of those pretty climbing vines that, that, uh, flower and, um, you know, a lot of native wildflowers and stuff like that. And, uh, I take kind of great, you know, it's a very kind of Zen thing to, to have a little garden and just make sure it's exactly right, and it, it's it's a it's one of those gardens with a with a brick kind of pattern and four mm. quadrants and sure. the grass. You know, make sure the grass is you know I'll cut the grass kind of for stress relief occasionally. So uh, yeah, I, that's, that's what cool. I do. I just kind of make sure the yard. About an hour. And I sit down and have a beer and like um, you know observe and T- take chill. a few deep breaths. Yeah. About an hour before you got here, I went and returned to tiller. <laughs> I uh, just tilled up our garden. We we grow for yield, but I right. uh, also do a bunch of cool stuff, herbs and. Whatever. Dare I ask what you're growing back there? Uh, <laughs> hol- <laughs> it's not your city, so it's not, fine. Not his problem. Yeah. Ho- jalape- right. Jalapenos, okay. squash, and then mostly some lavender, uh, some lavender, and then mostly herbs. So Sounds my awesome. wife, my wife loves to cook, but she really likes the essence of cooking, especially when it comes to herbs. That's um, awesome. Yeah, and, we got uh, a and, few, and not the herb that most people would Fair think enough. about when yeah. they were asking me, but no, just tons of stuff. So. Gotcha, man. We got, we got a little patch for that as well. My wife is an incredible cook. That's awesome. Yeah. Any uh, current TV or Netflix binge? Anything you're unwinding with? Watching old TV movies? Um, yeah, I actually watch a lot of that. Um, and gosh, I'm trying to think of the last. Snowfall has been really consistently good. We're just kind of getting to the end of Snowfall. It's about the... Uh, uh, the CIA's uh, funding of the Iran-Contra war with cocaine in uh, L.A. And unfortunately, all true. I mean, obviously, it's a dramatization, but it's it's very well done. And the problem with those things, a lot of times, when they go from one season to the next, they you can tell right when the when they when they the writers get too expensive and they get in contract negotiations and they fire them all and hire a bunch of punk kids because it's just like that quick it goes off. You realize shark. like what matters is writing, not acting. Yeah, right. Uh, the, the what matters in a show is writing. Uh, Ozark, huge fan of that. Oh, I'm in the middle of season huge four right fan now. Of that, um, so good. It's really, really good. One I'm of the best shot TV shows of all time. As a cinematographer by mm-hmm. trade, is one of my favorite things to watch. Yeah, um, I really like Vikings. The, the first couple seasons, the of second were really good. Second day in a row, someone's told me I need to watch Vikings. Yeah, go back to the beginning. The first two or three, and it, it gets the crazy thing about Vikings is um, it's all roughly historically true. Those are those are actual characters. So there's a there's a good book. It's hard to say. It's a massive book by a guy named Gwen Jones, who was a professor at Oxford called History of the Vikings. And uh, the and the, the stories in there are, you know, I mean they're obviously again dramatized, but they're but they're based on uh, history. 
And they're That's awesome. Kind of wow. unbelievable. I mean, a, 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 like three boats of Vikings sailed up the the Seine and basically, you know, burned Paris. And Charles the Ball just gave them Normandy, which is why it's called Norman D. Right. And the it's like, wait a minute, that can't possibly be true, but it is true. It's uh, crazy. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I need to. I mean, I need to start Vikings. Yeah, seriously, second day in a row, somebody yeah, told me good. I need to watch Vikings. Really uh, if a movie was made about your life, who would you want to play you? Oh my god. <laughs> and you can't say The Rock because everyone says The Rock. No, I would not say The Rock for Christ's sakes. Uh, that's, what Nick, that's what Nick Spielman said, by the way, and it was so <laughs> funny. <laughs> but also, if The Rock's playing you in a movie, you yeah. fucking made it. Okay, I'm gonna go. Shout with, out, Spiel- I'm Bucky. going with uh, Danny DeVito. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Okay. Because okay. I'm an always sunny fan too, and I just you know that I love that guy. No, I don't. You know, that's a crazy hypothetical. So I'm gonna stick with Danny DeVito. All right. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. I like it. Uh, last one. What is a day in the life of TK as mayor, right? Like, what, what? I know you don't get much you time, so I'm just curious, like, how do you squeeze that in? Like, what is, you know, what time do you wake up? What time? Obviously, there's no typical day. I'm no, sure, yeah, but. get up 7, sometimes 7.30. If I'm, you know, my first meeting is either 8.30 or sometimes it's earlier, but usually it's 8.30 or 9.00. Um, and then it's just bam, 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 bam through the course of the day. I usually leave lunch open um, and just in case. Is, like, that, is that you time? No, well, it can it- be, right? If it's me time, generally I'm going to I go over the bridge and go to uh, Whole Foods and just grab like a bucket of food. I just like put a bucket of food in the bucket and eat the bucket of Dude, food. I'm going to start looking for you because I <laughs> spend that, way seriously. too much money doing and that. And I will go upstairs at Whole Foods and just chill. And it's so nice. It's so cool. You'd sit up there and kind of peek over the rail and people watch. And so that's that's as good as Dude, that's it gets literally for me. my wife and mine's favorite place yeah. and favorite thing to do for life. It's either that or I walk out of City Hall and I go one of three places: Public House, Two Ten Jack, or Tupelo Honey. They're all right there because I can get lunch in and be back up because I'm almost always got a one o'clock meeting, and then it's one o'clock to you know five o'clock, and then go work out um, if I'm lucky. And then it, a lot of it depends on whether there's an event. There's a lot of like ribbon cuttings and things like that. Yeah. Um, and and so you know, yeah, that's it. A lot of handshaking. Yeah, I, oddly enough, you know, I came up in retail, and and, and, and I used to, I was used to working the very first question. Saturdays, <laughs> and so Saturdays was your big day in retail, mm. the car business, motorcycle business, uh, and then the soccer business. So you know, Saturdays are weirdly, you know, I really, I generally don't like. Yesterday was a little different. I I did the autism walk, uh, which was super cool, and big CFC contingent out there, and then uh, I did uh, an Earth Day cleanup. But generally, Saturdays are, are I, I find myself like... Saturdays are match day. day. Yeah, that's right. Yep. Mm-hmm. And sadly, I'll be out of town for this one, and I'm pissed off about it. But I'm going down to Jazz Fest in New Orleans, so I'll be okay. Oh, well. You'll have a good time watching my Okay. Man, yeah, <laughs> I'll, give, I'll give you the pass on that. Is yeah. there anything we missed, Tim? You think there's anything we... Uh, any, or is there anything you want to leave our listeners with that you want to... No, you know, uh, I know this is preaching to the choir, but um, support your local club. You know, I just think... There's hope yet for American soccer, and uh, it's it's a it's been a frustrating thing. I just I wish more people woke up to the fact that I mean this is where I'm I pride myself on being a relentlessly um, independent, practical politician. So I don't mean to sound like Bernie Sanders when I say this, but uh, American sports is a really corrupt oligarchy, and and it's it's messed up, and it doesn't have to be that way. And until people wake up and smell the coffee, it's never going to change. And I wish more people, I wish more people realized that. You know, I mean, it's it's really stunning to think about 
the fact that another very mature, almost all very mature, if you're an economist, right, or you look at other OECD countries, and like Germany, you know, which we compare ourselves to in many, many ways, you literally cannot be in the first division of the Bundesliga unless you, unless you are 50%, which CFC isn't even, 50% plus one community owned. Right. You can't even get in, right? And meanwhile, most American franchises outlaw zero. the practice. It's, yeah. it's zero, and it's because a lot of really, really rich people want it that way. And, and they want their want investment to, to stick. And they want their investment to stick, and they yep. do not want the threat of being sent down to a, to a lower league. And while I certainly don't blame them, you know, can't blame the Compass for Point North, that don't make it right. Yeah, and uh, I just I'm, I'm I'm every day some some days you know I just I just can't believe it's just strange to me um, that collectively we are all in this bubble this web you know woven by you know a uh, sports media uh, environment that's essentially funded by the same machine yeah and it's how is it that so very different than Soviet Russia that or not Soviet Russia but but what's going on in Russia right now right where Russians don't they think well, what's the problem right i mean oh gosh we're that's a that's, that's what's going on in ukraine is a just war i mean that's they're completely deluded and lied to by their media while the same damn things going on here is with uh with 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 sports i mean it is it's obviously not as grave it's not as big a deal but it's frightening to think that it's the same exact principle and it is it is clip that yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, that is that is a good clip. Yeah. Tim, if the people want to follow you uh, on social media, where can they find you? I don't know. I'm not on social media anymore. <laughs> I, I got cured of that back during the campaign. No, it's, <laughs> I really did. I mean, weirdly enough, I used to be pretty active on social media, and uh, you know, and they the, after the whole Rush Limbaugh thing, they kind of snatched that out of my hands, <laughs> and they never gave it back. And and, I, and frankly, then I got so busy that I didn't really have time to give it back. But it's at Mayor Tim Kelly or. Um, you know, I mean, obviously Chattanooga.gov is the is the city website. Uh, so yeah, I've got a personal that's at you know again. My nickname in college was Professor Tex because I kind of had a, a tendency to pontificate, as you can probably tell uh, here today. And uh, <laughs> that makes you a good guest on podcast, so, man. Yeah, at PRFTEX is uh, it is makes sense my now. personal handle, but I'm almost never on that. Maybe yeah. a picture of my cat now and then, and occasionally I'll tweet about soccer. Yeah. You did you did uh, uh, Instagram about your. Uh... About your cat? Yeah, it was so crazy. I walked by just like like hiding in the daylilies, and I saw I these two I still don't, tiny little. I, I still paws. don't know where it was. I looked for the. That was, you were like find the cat. All you like, could, well, it, this has got a really good he was camera. Dead center. Oh, it's so crazy! You could see these two little white paws, two little and paws, then one blue eye, yeah. like 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 three inches back in the dark. It's an apex predator, man. It's just tiny. I'm telling you, that cat like two birds a day. I uh, oh, that's <laughs> insane. I thought, that is I thought a it killing machine, killing machine. Yeah. That's fantastic. Jay, if people want to find you on social media, where can they find you? You can find me on Instagram, at letter J. You can find me on Twitter, at J Buchanan. And you can find the podcast, which, you know what? I have been the admin of for a long time, but I notice other people logging on and doing stuff a lot. And I believe that's the Twitter list, uh, Andrew Breezy. But you can find us at Section 109 Pod on Twitter and on Instagram. What about you, Matt? 
You can find me on Instagram at I am Caniglio. You can find me on Twitter at Whiskey is Fine. You can also see Matthew eviscerate uh, Nisa <laughs> yesterday. Uh, on Great thread. Talk about that. We didn't even t- we yeah. didn't talk about that. I literally sent that to so many people well, I know that are interested. We can maybe that's another. That's, that's, maybe maybe we'll another, have opinions. We'll turn the mics that's off. Another I tell you discussion. What, I tell you what. Another we'll, day. We'll have we'll have you back for a part two, and we can eviscerate Nisa that's together. Fine. Or we can say nice things about Nisa. Depending. I mean, on what I can want. tell you that man, dude, I was there literally. I'm the last guy I, I wrote this long epistle you can edit this out if you want um, <laughs> I wrote this super long letter that I'm trying to get sort of permission to, to send but I, I was I'm the last guy that was in the other than the preachers themselves that was in the original formation meeting who is still sort of in the room proverbially speaking anyway and uh, so I've seen it all and I've seen enough to know what needs to happen I'll leave it there Breezy if people want to find you on oh, social sorry. media, where uh, where can they find you? You can find me on the internet. <laughs> <laughs>